Welcome to Let's Get Real For Real For Real. <laughs> My name is Jenny and I am starting this podcast mostly honestly for my own benefit. Um, my therapist says I should journal more and I find that lately it's been a bit hard to start writing down all my thoughts and feelings. It's been getting a little convoluted. Um, so I want to see if this will help um, in sorting through my thoughts. I am putting in a public forum because I realize that I actually have thoughts that are worth something and not just to me, but maybe they can be beneficial for others. And, you know, if we get listeners, that's awesome. I hope that I am able to say something or reach someone um, in any way that can be helpful to them for their lives. I am currently... Um, I'm currently, you know, in a space of time, um, a spiritual awakening, so to speak, in my life, where I am really starting to realize the best of myself and the potential I have, and not just think it, but actually believe it and act on it. And so starting this is kind of my way of putting myself out there. Just know that... Um, there are so many things that I hope to hit on in this podcast for as ever long forever for however long it goes on for. Um, but uh, everything I do is with the intention of learning, giving, and sharing, modeling, self love, unconditional love. I'm going to do this uh, 2005 Peyton Sawyer, if you guys watch One Tree Hill style, where it really is going to be um, kind of a journal. And I hope you don't mind that. If you do, you're always welcome to go somewhere else. Um, but maybe this will be able to help others who have been through similar things, are going through similar things, or maybe hope to be at similar places as well. I've been thinking about doing this for a while, kind of kind of feeling out, you know, exactly how I want to do it or not. But I'm going to bite the bullet and just start it today because today, you know, something happened that um, was really upsetting. And I wish that I wish a part of me wishes that this was not the start of my podcast because I had I had hoped to start it with the intention of showing so much love and positivity and care. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go with this. So today, June 24th, 2022, this U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. And I'm sure you could have guessed that that was coming. So for anybody who knows me um, or knows me well, uh, will know that I am a big ass patriot. <laughs> like I'm a huge patriot, and I do not mean big flyovers over football stadiums, and I don't mean, hey, let's have our, you know, Second Amendment rights, and we're all free, and and all of that good stuff. Um, I mean that I'm a patriot in the purest sense of the word. I love this country. I love this country so much. I love 
how it began. I love the fact that it is an underdog story of people who felt that they were treated wrongly, who were being denied their rights, their civil rights as citizens, and that they were being treated with oppression. And nobody thought that they were worth anything. But they proved them wrong, and through perseverance, they overcame impossible odds and won and fought and won for their freedom and their independence. I love the way this country began. My favorite holiday is 4th of July. Every 4th of July, I put on two movies. I put on Independence Day because, let's be real, Independence Day is awesome. Nothing fills you up more with patriotic glory and pride, not even just in the U.S., but just like human beings, than President in the hangar saying how we will survive. And the second movie I put on, if you guys may or may not know, is a Broadway show called 1776, starring, FYI, the same actor um, who played Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World, which is also an amazing show. And 1776 is about the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Anytime I watch that show, that movie, that play, nothing can describe the feeling at the end that fills my chest and fills my body than just the glow of love and pride for our founding fathers. My favorite president is John Adams, which, you know, might surprise you all based on what I just said. John Adams made some questionable decisions. That is very true near the end of his presidency. But I will tell you, if you ever read his biography, that man always did his best to push for what was right. Even when public opinion was always against him and even when it was dangerous, he always did what was right. And the moments that he was not able to, because he is in the end human, which is something that he was very desperately aware of at all times, he grieved and regretted those choices and he questioned them and he turned over them and he had sleepless nights and he was apologetic and he hated himself when he had to make those. He was human and he was a leader who always knew how to say, I'm sorry even when he knew it wasn't good enough. And that's why I always liked him, because he was, he was a very human person with integrity and morals, and he did his best. I like that. I like that in a leader, humanity. So I, I love this country very much. I remember in sixth grade how at that time, you know, Bill Clinton, fifth grade, sixth grade, uh, we just switched presidents from Bill Clinton to George Bush. And we were at the best economic state that we've ever been with a huge surplus in our economy and treasury and um, and before 9-11. I remember I would sit in class and I literally would think to myself how much I love it and how amazing this country is how this is the best country in the world after 9 11 
of course, we were all feeling very patriotic at that time. What happened at 9-11 brought all of us together. And in a way, as tragic as that was, in a way that also was America at its greatest, not because of the choices that we had made at that time, you know, in terms of politically or war, but because we as a people were so united in our humanity and compassion that we all felt united. So I have a lot of grief over this decision with Roe versus Wade. I have anger as a woman, but I also, and as a person, but I also feel a lot of grief because despite everything that's happened in the past few years, this is what breaks the straw for me. This is the final thing for me that makes me realize this is not the country that I believe in. This is not the country that I love. And this isn't what our forefathers wanted us to have. Let me give you some context in that anybody who thinks that this pro-life, pro-choice debate has anything to do with babies and fetuses and giving birth, they clearly are unaware of how much that it is not. This is a war on women. And this is a war on social classes. This is a war that is meant to keep the powerful where they're at and to keep those who could be more lesser than. It's not just about babies, because if it was just about babies, then there would be systems in place to help them, those babies. And there isn't. I speak as a social worker who worked in, like a former social worker who worked in the field for 10 years. I spent, I tried to quit social work four times. I could never do it. I actually attest that I actually thought social worker, my relationship with that career was very much like an abusive relationship that I could not leave. (laughs) And and I don't, I don't know if that will shock people. When I was a social worker, I would tell them, people ask me what I do and I tell them, I'm like, oh, I work with mental health. Oh, I work with homeless. Oh, I work with like incarcerated, all this stuff. And they would just praise me. They would just be like, oh, that's so good of you. Oh, that must be so hard. Oh, you must be such a good person. But you know what? I never felt like a good person as a social worker. Never. I loved working with the clients. That's why I got into it. I wanted to help people. And I felt like I was helping people who were always being treated and told that they were not good enough, that they weren't even a human, that they barely deserved anything. And I wanted to help those people because I believe they could do everything, anything. They just needed someone to help. I loved my clients deeply. I loved the work deeply. The problem came. (laughs) Problems. The thing is, is that it was never the clients that stressed us out. It was always the system, the government, the business, the companies that I worked for. Not because there are bad companies, but because the culture that's developed in most in most businesses in that field, most nonprofits, whatever, is that the focus has to always 100% be on the client, not just on work hours, 
every hour. You get so many clients. I had a caseload of 50 at any given time, minimum. And that was 50 people I had to see at least once a month. Most of them, actually, I saw twice or three times a month. And that was considered a small caseload because I worked at a nonprofit. And if you worked at a government, like the county or the state, you had caseloads of literally in the hundreds, hundreds of people that caseworkers were supposed to see at least once a month, most of them multiple times. And the thing is, it's like, that's impossible. It's impossible to be able to keep that up and be able to live a good, healthy, like healthy life for yourself. Because what happens is that you have that many clients, already stressful as it is, but the expectation is like, you can't, you don't have time to eat. Sometimes you don't have time to sleep. Sometimes you don't get home to your kids or your family until like 10 o'clock at night, if even. You get wake up in the middle of the night for an emergency phone call, multiple emergency phone calls, multiple nights a week, and you have to leave and take care of that. And if anything happens to your family, to your client, any of them goes to the hospital, goes to jail, loses their jobs, loses their homes, the people who they talk, the people who are supposed to support you, who are supposed to understand, who are supposed to help you figure out how to help others, they'll turn to you and say, what could you have done better? This is your fault. They won't say those words, this is your fault. Oh, some might. But um, a lot of times it'll be like, they'll say it in a way that'll make you feel like it's your fault. <laughs> they'll be like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you call this? Who did you talk to? What, like, why didn't you document this? Blah, blah, blah. Everything like that. And like, and it makes it feel like it's your fault, which is bad enough when you already feel at fault and guilty for your client landing in the hospital when it's not your fault at all. And then when you try to actually like take them through the system of like, hey, let's get you government benefits. Let's get you help. Like the red tape that has to you have to go through in order to get your clients things that they legally are entitled to because of their status. Like it's ridiculous. You think like it's easy to be on benefits on like welfare? It's not because I'll tell you a lot of people are afraid to get jobs and leave welfare. If you make a dollar over how much they give you in welfare, they'll take you off of it. But not only do they take you off of it, they take away your free childcare. They take away your food stamps. They can take away your Medicaid benefits, which means that you are now in a deficit than you were when you were on welfare. And they don't even pay you that much in the first place. So no, why would people want to get off of welfare? Um, SNAP, like food benefits. Dude, if you are lucky, if you get more than like $75 a month, I had clients, I had some clients who managed to get over $100 a month. Good for them. I don't, sometimes I don't understand why, because they had people to support them financially. But a lot of clients who literally were on social security disability made literally like $50 a month and that was considered good. How are they supposed to live like that? It's terrible. And then the companies you work for are just like, hey, Practice self-care. Take a mental health day. But when push comes to shove, when you get too stressed, when you're asking for like more time off, they don't do that. They can try. But there's that guilt. There's that guilt they put on you and there's the guilt that you feel for yourself because you're a caring person. What happens if I leave my client? And it becomes a toxic relationship. I didn't want to do that to myself anymore. I started realizing that the work I was doing was not about my clients at all anymore. 
I was fighting so hard just to learn how to love myself and just to take care of myself. But I was in a field that didn't allow for that to happen. And it wasn't a bad field necessarily. And they weren't bad people. They weren't bad businesses. But it was just the society, the culture of that system. Because I went to multiple, like, multiple, like, jobs. And it was always the same. So I was like, okay, you know what? I need to do this for myself. So understand, I just say all that context. I know that was a long spiel, but I say all that just because to like give context, like, hey, so this is what happens when you don't allow women to have choice over their bodies. This is what happens. You trap them in a cycle of poverty. You trap them in the cycle of poverty because when women, anybody are not physically, emotionally, mentally and or financially capable of taking care of a kid, a kid that they don't even want in the first place, then what happens is that they are no longer able to care for themselves, never mind a child. They cannot feed both themselves and their child. They cannot go to school to get an education, to get a job that can feed them and their child. They don't have, ch- they don't have child care, or maybe they can have free child care, but, but but they'll have to be on welfare and Medicaid, low income in order to get free childcare because they can't afford it otherwise. And people who are trapped in poverty because they can no longer spend time trying to get a job, trying to go to school, they may have no, probably have no support system um, that leads to, and they probably therefore live in low income neighborhoods where there is, where it's a lot more dangerous, a lot less safe, a lot less access to good food, good nutrition, good schools, safety, you know, anything like that, then they get trapped in that poverty cycle because they are now raising their kid in that environment. And when you're a person or a young mother or maybe someone who was traumatized during conception of the child, maybe who is someone who was traumatized after conception of the child, anyone who isn't allowed to get an abortion and wants one is probably also traumatized by that choice. They get emotionally and mentally stuck there. They get stuck there in that mindset. And they trap themselves in that mindset. And they therefore can become and often become emotionally and or mentally and or physically abusive to either both themselves and to others around them. The traumatized, traumatize others. That's what happens. And therefore, you're letting a child grow up in an environment where they will also learn to be traumatized and traumatize others. And they will be in an environment and neighborhood where they can they are being taught that it's okay to traumatize others. Not just in the family, but also in the home, the neighborhood. I'm generalizing, of course, but this happens all the time, over and over and over again. And if anyone has studied like generational poverty, generational trauma, it is a cycle. Once you're in it, it's incredibly difficult to get out of. Incredibly difficult. Maybe the one good thing that comes from like our government benefits for people is that they can have really awesome mental health benefits and really awesome health care. That's great. But guess what? The mental health system is broken because there are so many people who are in need of mental health services. So and there's not enough people who are able to, to do it. Not enough therapists, not enough counselors who are able to do it without putting themselves at their own emotional and mental health risk. Because it's so many people, so many people to help, so stressful, as per like my notes from before. 
Okay. Even now, especially with COVID, especially with more awareness coming to mental health in the US now, I get so many requests from people that I know saying like, hey, you used to work in mental health. Do you have any referrals? Do you have any people I could talk to? Do you know any therapists I can see? And I reach out to all of my contacts and all of them are saying they don't have any room for more clients. They can't accept any. They're so stressed in because there's so many. So what does that mean? That means that if you're even lucky enough to get a mental health counselor or someone who can help you, that person is so stressed in, they're not able to give you any like real like heartfelt support that you need. They're not, they can't do everything for that person. They're not able to give you their full attention. So it's just also half-assed services, which is really sad. So, and the thing is too, is that the people, here are the people who might like, who might actually need abortions the most is like women who have grown up in areas that are low income, women who have grown up in areas that have lack of sexual, adequate sexual education, women who have been abused, women who have been raped, women who are or here's that here's something women who have seen all that through other people who may not have been through it themselves but have seen it around and they literally are like i don't want to bring a child into this world with that with that stuff hanging around this world is bad enough already and i don't want to bring a child into that or maybe for themselves like for me i didn't have a kid for years i don't have kids now but i plan on having them within the next couple of years and i had to go through this very long deep like very long years long process of me thinking like I can't have a kid I can't have a kid to me thinking like no like I'm ready not physically ready not biologically I am emotionally and mentally prepared to have a kid because I've worked on myself so much because I've been blessed to have those resources have be work on myself so much that I can love this kid unconditionally because I've learned how to love myself unconditionally. And I'm currently giving myself the space and the time to start unraveling, hey, are there other things about me that like that I need to work on for myself so that I don't pass it on to my kid? Anybody who chooses to not have a kid because they don't want to bring one into this world, it's an act of love in and of itself. Because they don't want they believe that if the kid comes into this world, they'll suffer. And they don't want that to happen. So no matter what the reason is, whether it's trauma, whether it's rape, whether it's bad neighborhoods and bad childhood raisings and like neglected, you know, upbringing, like or whether it's just just personal choice of like, I'm choosing not to have this kid because I'm not ready or I don't want to have one in this world. Like that's an act. Those are all viable reasons to to abort because those are acts of love. I don't know if any of that makes sense. But I can tell you, I really, really cannot live in this country anymore. And that's why I'm grieving. I'm grieving because I realize I cannot live in this country anymore. Um, like I said, I'm in a space where I'm learning to love myself unconditionally. I've taken away and changed the narrative on every toxic relationship that I can identify in my life. 
And this whole decision has made me realize like this is a toxic relationship. The U.S. government has a toxic relationship with its citizens. This is attack on women class because two, they don't know me. They don't know us. These are not women that made this decision. These are men who know nothing about the woman like body or what we've been through or why we would want to have pro-choice in the first place because they're not listening. They're telling us that they know better. Why? How do they know better? Have they done the research, the medical scientific research that's done? Have they done like the social statistical research that's done? Either way, every statistic researcher says like, you're not going to stop abortions. You're just going to make people go get abortions in ways that are un like that are harmful in ways that can kill them. <laughs> like, like what? Are, like they don't care. These people don't care. This is a way for to keep us subservient. And to keep telling us that we are second class, that we're not even a class, that we're second rate human beings who aren't smart enough, who aren't knowledgeable enough, who aren't important enough to have our thoughts and our opinions and our experiences heard. And I don't want to be in any more toxic relationships. I want this kid. I've, I've taken so many years to think about if I want a kid or not. And I've been actively working on myself through therapy, through my life choices, through my relationships in the past few years with the intention of like, if I decide to have a kid, I have to be ready to have one. And I love them already unconditionally. And I know my mission in life is to spread unconditional love. Because I've been blessed to be able to have experienced it myself and to know what it is, know what it feels like, know what it looks like, know what it embodies. I want to raise my child to never not know what that is. I cannot raise a daughter here in a country that tells her that she is not good enough to make her own decisions about her life and her body. I cannot raise a son here in a country that tells him that that's okay and that he can treat people like that. I can't do it. It doesn't matter if I ever have an abortion. It doesn't matter if I disagree. Like it's a it matters that us as a society, that other women around us, the other children, other men are being told this. And there are people who keep thinking that it's okay. There's no equality in this. If there was equality, it wouldn't be about abortion. It would be about lives. It would be about accountability and responsibility for both men and for women. There would be sex, sexual, um, there would be birth control. There would be sex ed courses. And like not just courses, but resources and medical like resources available to everybody involved. The men would be in discussion of this. The fathers would be in discussion of this, not just the women. 
there'd be more talk about vasectomies and there'd be more talk about family. Do you know that in the foster care system, people are like, oh, you, they can just, just, they can just have the baby and then adopt it. Like, dude, do you know how much pregnancy and labor can destroy a woman's body? Like not their looks, not their weight, but their bodies, their bones, their muscles, their ligaments. Do you know how much of that can be destroyed for life from just one bad pregnancy? Not And even afterwards, carrying a baby. I know people who have chronic, like permanent chronic back problems and a spine misalignments, like because of having to hold their baby for so long. No. And in the foster care system, people always say, oh, there's plenty of babies. No. You know how many children in the foster care system, because their parents were not capable of taking care of them? They're all in the foster care system because their parents were not capable of taking care of them financially, emotionally, mentally, physically. Do you know that when pe- when the courts try to, when it comes to like adoption, courts re- will reunify families first. That is their first priority. And some t- a lot of times it doesn't matter what's best for the kid because they think it's best for the kid to be with the family. Sometimes that's true, but oftentimes, no. Because it's families who had children they were not ready for. Okay, so I have a lot of thoughts. My head hurts. My heart hurts. I've been avoiding the news all day. Point B. It's just a sad day. Tomorrow will be better because tomorrow will be a different day. And if there's one thing that I am so happy to see is that there may be a lot of people out there who completely disagree with everything I said and totally agree with like this decision, which is okay, fine, (laughs) not fine. But there are so many people who are so outraged and unified in this I wish that I still had the willpower and the righteousness and the need for social justice as I used to to be willing to stay here and fight back and advocate but I've seen so much and I've been through so much I used to be that way with my with this country i used to be the one to say no the country's messed up that's why it's even more reason for us to stay here to fight for it to fight from the inside change the systems but i can't do it anymore i understand that this country is young we're only a couple hundred years old. Like, come on, the Magna Carta took like 1,500 years to come in. And and even then, that was what, like, pfft, it's 2022 now? That was, we have years to go, <laughs> like uh, centuries to go. I don't have centuries. Not in this lifetime. I only have like 50, 50 years, not 500. And 
I don't want to live those next 50 just fighting all the time. So, toxic relationship. I'm going to look, I'm looking very seriously and I've been researching how I can move out of the country to a place. Not saying it'll be my permanent place next week. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to live there forever, but I need to just get out of this country and I need to try something else. Try something else. See if there is something different that fits my needs better. My priorities no and values no longer fit this country's, it seems like. I no longer have leaders in this country that I feel like know what I need as a citizen. And they don't know what most of the people in this country needs as citizens. So, yeah. So it's going to be a goodbye soon. In the future, because <laughs> now I feel like so drained, um, this podcast will be a lot more lighthearted. Um, if only because I'm, I'm much more usually lighthearted. This is just like a heavy day for me. It's a heavy day. Um, interestingly enough, there's been a few really awesome things in this journey for like self-development and spiritual growth. And two of the things I'm going to recommend, which are going to be super shocking, I'm sure, for people because they have been and, and kind of like... I, I invite you to keep an open mind. I'll totally go into it again in the future. Um, I have been listening to uh, Drama Queens, which is the One Tree Hill podcast where um, the three three female stars of that show go back and rewatch the episodes. And it's been so interesting, so empowering to listen to. If you, I recommend you watch the series first, but like, um, because these women are amazing and very inspiring, very self-aware, have been through a lot of huge personal journeys in themselves and being able to, and I grew up watching the show as a teenager. So being able to sit with them and rewatch the show from a completely different adult perspective, you know, has been so, so enlightening about my own thoughts and my own childhood and my own adulthood. And the other show I've been watching, which I never used to do before is um the kardashians on hulu and i never watched the old show keeping with kardashians i found it very negative very toxic not just because it was like you know crap tv but just because like the way they treat each other but they really also these ladies have been through a lot of personal journey and um and it's a much more positive tone on the show and i it's been interesting to watch but i can totally go into that later and of course too like just just like working on myself you know what I should have really eaten like food before I started this podcast I feel so drained and I haven't eaten in like hours (laughs) um whenever I get hangry (laughs) I like (laughs) I can't like think properly afterwards um so that's what I'll do. I'm actually going to leave this unedited because you know what? Oh, memory's sake. And I'm sure I'll look back at it later and be like, ooh, ooh, good points. And also like, ooh, <laughs> let's improve that later. Um, but yeah, welcome to my welcome to my podcast journal. Welcome to my little bits of pieces of me. I hope you don't think it's a wasted 35 minutes. All right, great. Sign off. Thanks, guys. Bye.